0: Church. So today we're going to be looking at some concepts, and and we often, I think, hit this in the Bible. But before I get into the scripture, I want to discuss um, just some some ideas. So oh, we're back. We're good. <laughs> I can speak loudly. All right. Um, so. We're going to be discussing some topics that are on on the brink of our understanding. Um, a lot of things that we hit in the Bible are concepts that kind of go beyond us. Um, there, are, there are things of God that we can't fully understand currently. And frankly, we probably won't ever fully understand God because then we would be very much like God if we knew everything that He knew. Um, but when we look through the Bible and look at some scriptures, we look at some things that Paul tells us um, that... Really, take a lot to look into, and really take a lot to understand. Um, and this morning, we are going to touch some some of those principles that we're just not going to fully grasp. And frankly, someone may grasp it more better than I do, or more than I do. Um, but what I bring to the table this morning is I hopefully it will help us learn and grow closer to Him and understand it um, understand it better. Um, so, before I start, I want to look at the first few verses. Um, sorry, the last few verses of chapter three. Um, I, these are kind of the verses that Michelle and I um, we just we love so much Ephesians three twenty and twenty one. They're verses that we have hung on our wall and they're verses we think about and um, think about often and talk about often. Um, it says now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever. And ever, amen. And so, as we talk this morning about things that are difficult to understand or practices that are difficult to implement, um, let's keep in mind that God is capable of doing more in us and through us than we even ask or than we can ever think. Um, So, even though to us reading these things may be difficult to understand or difficult to apply to our lives, God is capable of doing such things. Um, Through Him, we are capable of doing those things. And of understanding. So um, let's look at chapter 4. We're going to read through the first half of it. um, And then I'll open in prayer. So he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness... Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and um, we acknowledge that you are Lord, and, and that you are awesome, um, and that we can't fully understand and comprehend who you are, but we do know things, um, and that we do love you, and we know that you love us based on the evidence of Jesus Christ. And um, Lord, you are great and wonderful, and we come before you and bow, and just pray that you would draw us into your love, um, that we know that we can do nothing apart from you, um, we can do nothing good apart from you, and that we can only draw closer to you by your strength and by your power. Um, so, Lord, we ask that for that this morning. We ask that you would open our eyes to this passage, that you would speak truth into our hearts, um, that would be receptive to it, um, and that we would be uh, unified as a body of Christ and as a body of believers for your purpose and for your cause. Um, help us to serve you and glorify you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So keep in mind the first few, or the last few verses of chapter 3, um, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or think. So the first portion of this, I'm going to spend a lot of time on the first half, and we'll spend time on the second half, but um, just bear with me as we look at this. So verses 1 through 3, he says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, which Paul often refers to him as a prisoner for, the, for God. Um, er, he urges you, uh, I therefore a, pri- a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the body of peace. So let's first look at what it means to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Because I feel like that verse right there is really sums up a lot of this chapter, but it's also, it's kind of hard to conceptualize. So what does it mean? I think one of the first questions we have to answer is what have we been called to? What have you been called to? Uh, if we look at... 1 Peter 2, 18-21, he, he refers to them, this is uh, Paul also writing to, or I'm sorry, it's Peter writing, but he says, slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So we're going to look at several different things that we've been called to this morning. Um, The first um, that we see here is that we've been called to suffer. Uh, Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we've been called to um, face physical suffering where we're all going to be beat and wounded and... um, tortured or anything like that, that doesn't necessarily mean that. Certainly, God may have called someone into that um, and have to endure that, but that doesn't necessarily mean um, that we have to endure that. What he's called us to is to sacrifice. He's called us into to sacrifice, and that may mean some sort of physical sacrifice. It may mean a financial sacrifice. Um, of course, in some regard, it probably means a little bit of all of that um, in certain areas it may mean more or other or, or less, um, but God has called us to deny What we want, and submit to what he wants. Um, If you're living fully for just what you necessarily want, um, and you're not making any sacrifices of something that you desire for the kingdom, then you're probably not sacrificing enough. Um, We're definitely he he wants us to make a sacrifice. um, He wants to sacrifice wants us to sacrifice our selfishness for godliness. Um, there are often, I mean, I, I think I've experienced this more since I've been married, but there are things that Michelle and I want to do with our house or want to, you know, certain things we want to be able to afford just financially and stuff like that. Um, but there are certain things that we should we should be willing to give up for the sake of the kingdom. Um, you know, and that's just a financial resources aspect. You know, there are other things, too, as far as, like, time goes. There are certain things you may want to do, but you may have to sacrifice those to be, serve the kingdom. In a certain way, so God has definitely called us to sacrifice, and He has He's called us to sacrifice. Um, so we also we have to deny things, um, and they're not always bad things that we have to deny. I mean, some of the things that we want to do could be fine, could be good; they're not sinful or anything like that. But we're often called to give those things up for the sake of of God and for the sake of serving Him. So that's one thing. The first thing we have to we're called to sacrifice. Another thing we're called um, we're called to is to live a holy life In multiple places throughout scripture. Um, God says, be holy for I am holy, which is a really terrifying thing because who can attain that? Um, um, and even there, just as a side note, this whole section is a lot of your, your Bible probably titles chapter four is unity in the body of Christ. Even in that statement, be holy for I am holy. There is a, a union with God there. He wants us to be like him. Um, But what does it mean to be holy? Um, What does it mean for us to be like him? Well, what he's referring to, holiness is the absence of sin. Holiness is the absence of sin. So what he means by be holy is to abstain from sin. So in the first area, we see that we have to sacrifice, and that doesn't necessarily mean sinful things. That means just things, things that we may desire selfishly. In the second sense, he wants us to live holy. So he wants us to abstain from sin and fight temptation. Um, He wants us to to live holy um, and be like Him. So the two aspects that we've been called to so far that we've looked at is sacrificing things for the kingdom and living sinless lives, which doesn't necessarily mean we have to be completely and totally sinless, but we do have to be recognizing sin constantly throughout our lives and putting a stop to that. Um, And the third thing that we're going to talk about we've been called to is gifting. Um, so the last thing he's called us into is he's, he's called each of us into a unique purpose to fill in the church, into a un- unique purpose to fill in this world. Each believer has been given or gifted uniquely to do what he's called us to do. Um, we have to use these gifts for the body of Christ and use these in union together. Um, each person is gifted uniquely. Each person, I mean, we can look around and here and tell, I mean, all of us have different desires, different abilities, different strengths and weaknesses. Um, that's evident that that's come from God and that we have to use those uh, strengths and weaknesses to serve him. Um, in each th- of these three aspects, the, the sacrifice, the holiness, and the gifting... In each of those three, there is an individual and a collective component. Because all of us have been called to live holy. All of us have been called to sacrifice things. And all of us have been called um, to use our gifts to serve the kingdom. However, that may not look the same in each of our lives. Each of us are called, you know, each of us are tempted by different sins. So each of us may have to fight sin, a different type of sin. Um, Each of us have different things that we desire we may have to give those things up for the kingdom. So um, what Eduardo may want, you know, is something different than what I want. And so, you know, if God has called us to give that certain thing up for the kingdom, that's going to look different. Um, and it's the same with gifts. Each of us have been gifted uniquely to serve the kingdom. So that's, that's the calling piece of that, that verse. Um, Live, he says he wants us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So that's the calling piece. The second piece is going to be what does it mean to live of what does living worthy look like? That's that's kind of a weird concept. In fact, I don't I don't feel like in English we talk about like worth, like being worthy of something very much. So, let's look at that Google defines worthy as having or showing the qualities or abilities that merit recognition in a specified way. It's a deserving effort attention or respect, good enough, suitable. Those are the definitions that we see in, on, on Google. So Paul is telling us here in this sentence, he's telling us to live in a manner that is deserving of the sacrifice, the holiness, and the unique purpose to which you have been called. Now, don't think, I don't want you to think or get that this, is, this means that we are deserving, Of the calling. I don't want you to think that we are deserving of that calling. Sorry, every time I move this thing, it goes. But uh, I don't want you to think that we're deserving of that calling that God's called us to, um, or that we have to earn it, that we have to earn that calling, um, that our salvation is dependent on us doing these things. Um, But it should be evident by how we live our life. But our calling should be evident by how we live. so, I don't want us to understand to think that we have to do these things for salvation's purposes. Um, though, if we are saved, we'll be doing these things, if that makes sense. Um, so, and I think all of us can probably agree in here that we can't do this on our own. We can't live worthy of the calling apart from God. That make, I mean, that doesn't even make sense. Um, we have to completely depend and rely on him to live worthy of that calling. Um, remember, God can do more than all we ask or think. So he's capable of doing that. So Paul contels, continues to tell us here that we must do this. We must live in this calling. We, have, we must behave humbly and gently and patiently. Um, there is no room for pride or arrogance. There is no room for that in our lives, um, especially in our calling. Um, each person has been called to serve the body of Christ uniquely. We've said that. Um, and you can't each of us cannot function without the other. Uh, he, he uses the analogy here as the, the body of Christ, which we'll talk more about later. But you can't if if one part of the body is not functioning properly, you know, then the whole body suffers. So in the same way, one position, one gifting, one calling is not higher or better or greater than the other. So none of us are able to say, oh well, I have this calling, so I'm better at, you know, I'm more valuable to the church than this other person. Um, there's not a comparison game here. Um, so there, there cannot be any pride like that. Um, this mind, with this mindset, um, since th- there is no superiority, we have to remember that the church can value each individual with what he or she brings to the table uniquely. Um, so each person here has a unique um, strength that it brings to the church. Um, So, in an uh, applicable sense, with our church specifically, what I want to bring to our attention is that, and I've said this a lot lately, but in order for the church to be built up and strengthened, we have to be present and we have to participate. We have to have both of those. Now, a lot of the American church gets the first thing pretty well, right? A lot of the American church, which is not us, but a lot of the American church gets people go to church, People still go to church all the time. There are a lot of unbelievers that go to church. Uh, so they we get the, the presence thing, that we have to be here. Um, but what we don't really talk about too much is the partici- participation aspect. We need you to be here. We need you to be present. And we, need to, we need you to be contributing. Um, that means during open time, sharing what God has called you to share, or requesting the song that God has asked you to request. or um, That means when we're doing something like we used to give out hot, ch- hot chocolate downtown or um, with the school that we've been supporting recently. I mean, when we're on board with that, that we are all participating in that. Um, for those things to succeed, for God's mission and purpose to go forward, we all have to be on board with that and we all have to be giving. Um, like we said earlier, we all have unique gift and strength. So when we all are supporting this cause, think about how much more powerful that is than when half of us are. So let's keep that in mind. The way the way the body of Christ works is that all of us uniquely work together for God's glory. Um, So for us as a church, as One Hope, let's remember that and remember that it's really important for us to be here as often as we can. I mean, that's and I know that's difficult sometimes, and I know we're in a unique phase. I mean, there's not a lot of people here now, Um, but I know that we're in this unique phase of the summer, and so people are gone on vacation. Um, You know, the Boyd's are obviously doing mission work in Mexico. but even though that we, we have all these excuses to not be here, we should strive as hard as we can to make it here. Um, sometimes that, that, that may mean sacrificing the last half of our vacation day to get here back early. And I'm not saying this just, just for everybody here. I mean, we're guilty of it too. I mean, sometimes we just want to break and get away. But um, especially right now in this season that our church is in, I think it's really, really important for us to be here, be present, and to be active Um, because, you know, we have a lot of unique opportunities coming up um, with the Lord. I mean, Peter's got a unique um, opportunity right now with Eke and Dago, and that's that's all of us, too. Um, And then we have Demir and Ingrid come in. So there are a lot of unique things that are happening with the church right now, and so it's really, really important for us to to be active in the church, to be here and to be present. Um, And, you know, to be honest, I know there's not a lot of people here this summer, and i think that's another reason why we should be here really present you know that's really important for us to be here because there aren't a lot of people people are doing different things going on vacation so um let's do our best to get here even if that means sacrificing something um so the other thing is again is is being is participating um let's get on board with god's mission for this church um, when demir and ingrid get here let's join on mission with them and whatever god's called them to do here and support them however we can All right, so let's, let's move on and focus on um, more of this scripture here. So verses 4 through 7, Paul says, he goes on this role of unity here. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. I think it's pretty safe to say that Paul is, is really emphasizing unity here, that we should all be on board for these things. Um, so let's look at each one of these that he talks about. Um, all of these things are something that the church needs to be behind, that the church needs to be on board with together, um, with the same mindset and same body. Um, and we've already discussed how God has called us to be like Him in holiness. Um, and how he's a part of us through the indwelling of his spirit. And that's one way that we're all unified. Um, We all individually serve him for a collective purpose, um, and often that we serve him alongside each other. Um, And Paul talks about all the things here. He talks about all the things that bind us individually together. These are all the things that unify us as the body of Christ. So we each have our individual gifts and strengths, but this is where, even though we have our individual strength, this is where we're tied together as a family, as a body of Christ. So he says there is one body, which is the church. You know That, that can be two, in two aspects. You've got the big global church. Um, so we're all bonded and, and unified through the Holy Spirit. If you believe in Christ and you've given your life to Him, His Spirit lives inside of us. Um, his Spirit lives inside of me and it lives inside of you. And it's the same Spirit. And again, we talked about earlier how we are going to be on the brink of understanding here where we cannot fully fathom that. Um, We can't fully understand how the same spirit is in um, one of us and in somebody else at the same time. I mean, physically in this world, that doesn't make sense. Spiritually, we have to have faith and understand that um, God God is capable. And I I think the cool thing is often when you meet another brother or sister who is a believer, you have this instant bond. I mean, sometimes you don't even have to put words to it. It just happens. Um, I'll tell you, whenever we go to Mexico, um, and this is the obvious example, but whenever we go there and we encounter believers that we've never seen before, we've never talked to, I may not even know their name, there's this instant connection of faith um, because they have the same spirit. We have the same spirit dwelling inside of us. So there's this unique brotherhood or sister. Sisterhood that we have with other believers. Um, and, I, and I think you could probably see that in your own life when you've encountered other believers who, who believe in Jesus and um, love God that it's a pretty um, instant connection. Um, so that's one way that we are all unified in the body. And you know what? What's cool is sometimes these spiritual concepts, they really do manifest themselves physically. And that's really a way that, that bond is a really, I think that's an evidence of the spirit working within us. Um so, the next thing he says he 's talking about the one hope that belongs to your call. Um, what is that one hope? Our church name is one hope so what what is that? Um, the hope that we have is the reward for following jesus that 's what the hope is and what 's cool is this is that that hope right now that we have it it 's a hope, so that means that the reward for following Jesus is a promise of a future reward, if that makes sense. So right now, our reward for following Jesus is this hope that there is going to, going to be eternal life without sin with Him, um, that we get to live in complete unity. Because right now, there's a separation. There's a, you know, we are in a physical body. Um, the Bible says that we see through a glass darkly, and eventually that glass will be removed, and we'll be able to be enlightened, um, and um, we will be able to live holy. One day there will be a time where we don't even speak of sin, because sin doesn't exist. Um, and that's, I mean, that is the ultimate hope, is of this this ultimate unity with Jesus um, that we're, we're going to have. We're going to get to live with Him and be with Him. Um, but for now, our reward is that hope of that reward, if that makes sense. Um, so our hope is eternal life in the, with the Father and Son, dwelling with them in one spirit, because Jesus called us to Him. Um, Hebrews 12, one through 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin, the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So this hope, um, Jesus as our one hope, is what gives us strength. It's what gives us, brings us joy and what keeps us going. It's what gives us purpose. Um, I know that if you've experienced the hope of Jesus and really experienced that joy of Him, you can probably look back and go, how did I ever live without it? How did I ever, ever go without this hope? Because there's nothing better than having that assurance of faith and living in Jesus. Paul continues here. He says, we have one Lord. That's Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of all. He's the only Lord and Savior of the world. There is no other. There's nobody else. It's only Jesus. There's one faith. Only belief in Jesus leads to this hope. Only faith in Jesus leads to this unity. There's one baptism. Once you surrender your life to Jesus and once you commit yourself to him, you you are symbolically buried. Your old self dies and is buried and a new life begins. You're raised again just like Jesus physically died on the cross and rose again and ascended into heaven. Um, just as we spiritually have to die to ourself, um, we are raised again a new man. And that's the one baptism that we're talking about here. There's one God the Father who binds all of these two things together. So, um, again, brink of understanding here. The Trinity is really difficult to understand. I mean, to to really sit there and comprehend, all right, you've got God the Father and Jesus' only begotten Son and the Spirit who lives inside of all of us. I mean, who can really fully understand that? And I think that's part of the wonder and and, and awesomeness of God. I'm not sure if that's a word, but it should be. Um, you know, God is three in one He's the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. Um, I was reading uh, a book the other day, and it really clarified something for me, and I, I never really understood this because it says that Jesus is God's only begotten Son. And I, I don't think I ever stopped to really think about what begotten means. So um, it talked about how. What's the difference between begetting and creating? There's a difference. Um, So, and something that's always confused me, but I've never fully looked into was, you know, Jesus is the son of God, right? Well, when we get saved, the Bible considers us sons of God. So, okay, obviously Jesus is far better. He's greater. he's, He's wonderful. And he's that connection to how we become sons of God or daughters of God. But where's the difference there? How is there a separation? Well, what the word me, beget means is that it's, it, it's one of yourself, like it comes from you. Um, so like a human begets a human, right? Um, so that, that is what the word beget means. Created, obviously, is something else, but it's like an image of yourself. So a human may create a statue, right? Right. The statue may look exactly like a human, may have all the characteristics of yourself that you put in it. So it may look just like you or whoever you created it to be. So it's got a piece of you in that, but it's not the full thing. It's not the complete image, right? So humans, we we are created in the image of God. So we are not the fullness of God. We are not exactly like God, but we are a piece of Him. We are the clearest image of, of Him. Um, I think all of creation reflects on an aspect of God. If you think about this size and the, the enormity of the universe, right, of the, this vast expanse that we still haven't been able to explore, I think that's just that's a mirror of of God's grand grandness, His greatness, how huge and unfathomable He is, right. So that's one aspect um, that mirrors Him. So, begetting is to to impart, um, impart of. So like. Jesus was begot is the only begotten Son of God. So Jesus is is God. He is the physical manifestation of God. Um, so that there's the difference there. Um, we are created in the image of God. Jesus is God. Jesus is the begotten Son of God. Um, that helped clear clarify something for me as far as the Trinity goes. I hope it does for you. Um, so. Jesus is like the fullness of God in physical form, um, and we are simply a glimpse of God's character. Um, And we are called to live in that. And and even in that image, we sin distorted that image. Um, And that's why we have to try and live holy, so that we no longer are distorted. So let's move on to another verse that can be confusing. Uh, Verse 8, he says, Therefore it says... When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So this verse can really confuse people, but don't let it. It's not as complicated as it seems. It's, a, it's straightforward in the way Paul intended it. Um, so... This verse right here, verse 8, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. What does that mean? Um, that's a Psalm 68-something. Uh, I know there's notes in there. I have it written in here. Sixty-eight eighteen. There it is. So, it's right at the top. Verses eight, uh, verse 8 refers to sixty-eight eighteen. That chapter in Psalm is referring to God's victory over, over his enemies. Paul tells us in verse 9, he, he tells us what he means by using the scripture, if we look at it. He tells us that Jesus descended to the earth to lead those captive to sin, out of sin and death, into eternal life, back into righteousness or, or rightness with God. So first we see here that Jesus came to the earth to lead a host of captives. That That's us. We were captive to sin. We are captive to darkness. Um, you notice here, it, it, this kind of ties back into the first verse where Paul refers to himself as a prisoner of the Lord. Um, we were captive to sin, and when Jesus came down, died and rose again, and overcame sin, he led us out of our sin, out of darkness, into eternal life. Um, so in that way, when Jesus came down and then ascended, he led us out of captivity. Okay, So that's what it means when he says he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. Okay, um, The second part of that, Where he gave gifts to men, we talked about it earlier. He has created us all uniquely. He has given us all special strengths and weaknesses. He's given us all a unique purpose in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ to serve Him. Um, And and I think if you really understand this, you really see that we don't deserve those gifts. You know, we don't deserve to be a part of this. We were in sin, we were captive, and he came and rescued us. So it's like he's leading us out of captivity. And then he loves us so much and is so um, kind to us that he even gives us these gifts and responsibilities to be on mission with him. He invites us to do his work for him. That's, that is awesome. Um, and the cool thing is, I mean, he give us, gives us these gifts to ultimately glorify him, right? Right. Well, the cool thing is, is we were created for a purpose. So in glorifying Him, we are the are most satisfied. In satisfying His purpose, we are the most fulfilled. Because we were created to do just that. So even if there are other things going, like... So we were, we were really just created to, to serve God. Um, using our gifts to serve Him is the most fulfill, fulfilling thing that we can do. Um, and, I, and I think those of us who, and I, I think we're all here, but those who you can probably look back in your life and understand, even though something was difficult, even though something was hard, you had to sacrifice for it. You couldn't let sin get in the way, and you used that gift that God has given you to serve him. Those circumstances are some of the most fulfilling times of your life. Those things are the things that you're like most proud of because you served God in a way that he called you to. Um, so that's, that's what these verses are referring to here. So in verses 11 through 14, moving on, Paul lists just a few of the gifts that God has given the church. So these, these are gifts that God has given to the church, not, not like not each person has these gifts. It's not like these are the few gifts that you are called to and you have to answer these calls. These are the unique gifts that he's given to people to minister to the church. right? Um, so he talks about um, the apostles... The prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, which I think some translations probably say pastors, and teachers. Okay, So by pastors, he's not talking about like a position or a job position in a church. He's talking about people who shepherd the body of Christ, who, who work alongside with people and work through people in their troubles and difficulties, um, who bring people into the, the body. Um, these are the unique gifts that service the church. We all may not have one, any of these gifts. Um, but these are here to build up the body of Christ. Um, now, all of us do have some sort of gift to contribute to the body, obviously, um, but these are sp- specifically for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So um, they those gifts are there for us all to be unified. They work for all of us to become unified. Um, so... He also says later here, he says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So these these gifts are there. We come to the church. We come to church. We come to encourage one another and exhort one another so that we can all become mature believers. Um, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes um i think all of us out there can can say it's pretty clear that there are a lot of deceitful there's there's a lot of distractions and deceitfulness in the world um it's very easy to be sidetracked even as a believer these things kind of sin can slip into our lives without us even knowing it and recognizing it Um, again That is one of the biggest reasons we need to be present here and be active here in our family, and our body of Christ. Um, Because in doing so, we can each encourage one another. We can keep each other accountable. Um, A sin may be creeping up in my life, and Eduardo may notice it and be like, Hey, man, you need to stop doing this. Or do do you even know this is what you're saying? You know, and and sometimes that, that may not come to my mind until he calls me out. All right? And so that's one of the really important things that we have to be here. We have to be present. Um, Because this is where we preach truth. This is where we come to hear the truth and to learn more, to be mature, to grow closer to God. Um, And there are multiple things we do uh, to do this. So this is why it's really important for us to seek the truth in all circumstances. To always be looking for the truth in preaching. I mean, even when I'm sitting up here speaking, you should be questioning and examining everything that I say. Um, because we have to know the truth to be mature and to not be swayed by any doctrine. Um, and to be defensible against these, these sin. Um, so, that's. I mean, we come here each Sunday to hear truth. We study the Bible each day to learn it better, to know it more, to know the truth better. And we pray without ceasing to constantly be reminded of the truth. Um, Our faith is built and it's grown through the truth. And as we all grow in truth and love, we collectively grow stronger and stronger. Um, It's that whole idea, and I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, but it's the whole idea that the sum of the whole is greater than the individual parts. You know, the sum of all of us working together is far better than all of us working individually. Um, By each of us using our unique gifts um, given by God for the kingdom and holding fast to the knowledge of the truth, powered by the Spirit, we can do some great and awesome, mighty things. Um, And I really think God is working in us to do those things. So we see verses 15 and 16 are are all about the truth here. They say, Rather speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint in which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When we are all coming here, all active and participating in the gospel, not just here, but in our own individual lives as well. And we are bringing what God has been teaching us to the body of Christ here. Um, and we are all seeking Christ and being obedient to Him. God can really do some amazing things. And what's awesome is we can see testimony of that in the, new church, um, in the churches that God was building in the New Testament. Um, I mean, they do some mighty things. Often, um, you can see where they'll bow down in prayer together, and like God literally shakes the earth. That's how powerful and awesome He is. Um, and just because we're a small church doesn't mean He can't do mighty things through us. Um, so let's remember, um, we are all, if you remember a couple weeks ago, we are all branded by the same mark of the Holy Spirit. We all have that same mark on our souls, right? Um we all must rely on Jesus' power within us to make us into the follower that he wants us to be. To make us into the follower that, is, that lives worthy of the calling that he's called us to. We must do this as a team, as, as a family, because none of us can operate fully well without each part of the body functioning properly. Um, and we must hold fast to the truth of the gospel. So in summary, let's remember... We are each called to sacrifice. We're each called to live holy without sin. We are each called to use our gifts for the kingdom and for the body. All of, it, all of this should be evident in how we live our lives. We need to be present and we need to be active in our church and in our family um, and what our church is doing. Um, that's the way I've, we view this church. It, it is a family unit. Um, And using our gifts to be obedient is when we are most fully satisfied. So let's work together as a family to encourage one another in our our walks with Christ. Let's be unified behind God's purpose. And let's live worthy of our calling to Jesus. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Holy and awesome and wonderful, God and Father. You are wonderful and you are magnificent. And Lord, we can't fully comprehend you, but we know that you are the truth. And we know that you love us and that you've given us gifts that are undeserved. Lord, even even our weaknesses can be gifts to be used for your kingdom. For you are made strong in our weakness. Lord, we come before you and we exalt Jesus, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, knowing that we cannot fully understand the truth without the love of Jesus in our hearts, God. And we just pray that you would increase that love for you, that we would seek you more holy with everything that we have, that we'd be willing to sacrifice for your kingdom. Sanctify our hearts, that we'd be more holy, that we would be more like you, that we would shun the sin and remove that sin from our lives that there's no barrier between us but that we can be like You and and live in this world uh, for Your kingdom to use our gifts to fully satisfy what You've called us to do, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we come before You and ultimately we acknowledge that none of this is possible without Jesus. None of this is possible without Your death and resurrection on the cross where you scorned the shame of sin and you overcame all barriers between us. So, Lord, this morning as we go into our open time to really glorify you and to to remember the sacrifice of Jesus, Lord, we pray that we would remember that and that we would draw into your love and that we would know more of the truth and that we would be closer to you than ever this morning. Each and every day work in us to make us more like you and to use our gifts according to your purpose. We love you. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen.